0: there. Welcome to my podcast. I'm your host, Jen O'Sullivan. My desire is to help you on your personal wellness journey. You can find more of my resources over at my main page, jenosullivan.com and also at 31oils.com for tons of extra educational resources. All right, let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome. My name is Jen O'Sullivan and I'm going to be covering something a little bit different today. Uh, Many of you guys know me as an oil educator, right? I... Speak a lot on essential oils, uh, clearly, (laughs) and you guys have been um, so gracious to let me kind of speak my mind every once in a while. So every uh, every so often on a Sunday afternoon, I will get on and share my thoughts on spirituality. And many of you guys know I'm a total Jesus freak, and I like to um, write about this as well. I have two blogs that I publish um, kind of frequently and then infrequently. I'm sort of on again. Off again with my blogs. It just depends on sort of where my heart is at and what I'm working on and writing. Uh, one is specifically about women and living out a godly wife role, um, because that's near and dear to my heart. And that is called, um, that website, you can go to www.anexcellentwife.com. And then the other uh, website is just my, I guess, I don't know if you'd call them ramblings, but they're my... Th- theological thoughts. (laughs) So I love theology. I think it's super um, fun to kind of get into. Um, I'm not a fan of when people say they're just like, this is it, and that's it, you know, I really enjoy the debate. But my goal is to really look at what God said, right? Because theology is the study of God. It's 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 it is what it is. But when when it comes right down to it, um, we always have to check what the Bible says. So, um, so again, many of you guys aren't aren't Christians. And this might be a super weird post for you guys to say, why is she talking about this? But again, it's something I am writing. I've been writing several books on Christianity. Uh, Like I said, one of them specifically is on the actual um, your your relationship with your husband. Another one is on the Ten Commandments. <laughs> so you know I've I've written another one on the fruits of the spirit and really trying to understand what fruits are. And you can see a lot of the content of those over on my websites. So um, this one is something because we've been sort of spreading these out a little bit further. I was doing them every Sunday for several months there, uh, but it's the summertime now, and so we're doing them once a month on the first. Sunday of the month, so um, welcome, and I'm glad that you guys are here and listening to this. And I have been, you know, I do my journaling. You guys know that I've put together a season's prayer journal that is for myself. <laughs> Many of you guys uh, purchase it, there's no profit on those. Um, there's a small amount of profit that goes to me sending out Bibles. So, I do want you guys who don't have a Bible, if you are coming to the convention in a week, I think we're gonna be there in a week, if you're gonna be at the aroma event. This is a little side note. So if it's if you're watching this or listening to this past July 17th, then um, I won't be there anymore. But if it's before that, if it's the 16th or 17th, I think it's the 16th and 17th, I will be um, in Salt Lake City. Uh, come by and pick up a Bible. I'm going to try to bring like maybe five or six. I don't know how many of you guys will want one, so I might not have any left. But I have a bunch of really beautiful Bibles that um, we, we buy. Uh, they're not you know, ugly ones. They're super cute and pretty and good Bibles. Uh, It's ESV and I love handing out Bibles. So if you are coming to convention and you desperately need a Bible and you want me to pray for you, please come up to me and ask if I have a Bible. Come on Tuesday. I'm, you know, again, I don't know how many of you guys will actually be there and (laughs) come up and get a Bible, but we'll see. All right. So, um, I want to just dive into today's topic because this is something, again, as I'm moving through my own Bible study, my own reading of God's word, my own prayer time, these are things that that God shows me, right? So God is my ultimate teacher, uh, and I, it, I have to laugh a little bit because of his humor. I love God's humor. He has such a great sense of humor. Uh, you know, he shows me things and specific verses come up. And then, of course, like I've been working on this message for you guys for about two weeks now. And this Sunday's sermon, this Sunday's sermon today was so helpful in me kind of putting the last pieces together. So it's like, thanks, God. (laughs) He like works it out all the time for me, like all the time. And I love that. All right. And again, those of you guys who are like, what is she talking about? Remember, this is um, I am an oil educator, but about once a month, sometimes twice a month, I come on and do a talk about spirituality. So So, you know, don't get all upset and tell me to stay in my lane. I do have some of you guys say that. Like, what are you doing? Stay in your lane. (laughs) All right, so we're going to talk about Luke 5. And I want to ask you just a couple questions. Um, Have you ever felt really bad about something you did? Uh, Like something that hurt to the core? Um, Have you ever hurt someone so badly Uh, because of your own pride getting in the way, or your own selfish desires, right? And then afterwards, sometimes it's far afterwards, but sometimes it's like right afterwards, you felt this like deep, heavy, like almost crushing pains, it gives me chills, of that treachery right? These are strong words, but I, I'm, I'm talking about big things. I'm not talking about like you just kind of made a mistake and slipped of the tongue. I'm talking you actually did something wrong and then you felt it. And that's the interesting thing about humanity is we all have the ability to feel that like I'm so sorry feeling, right? Like I messed up. All right, so I want to um, read to you guys real quick, just Luke five, and we're going to just do the, the. So, if you want to get your Bible out and check this, um, this is the ESV version. You can use whatever version you're using, um, but this is just Luke five one through eleven. Okay, so on one occasion, so this is again a story. Um, this is Jesus, a stor- one of the stories of Jesus. Okay, so on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, on Jesus to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So a little backstory. The guys in the boat he knew. These were men he had already spoken to. Um for probably, you know, the guesstimate of this is like maybe six to nine months. They've, they've known each other well enough. Like they knew who Jesus was, these men in the boat, um, and loosely followed him at that point. So they weren't like, they, it wasn't just like, who is this person that's getting in our boat? They knew him. Okay. So just a backstory there. Um, So he saw these two boats and they, the fishermen were kind of getting, cleaning their nets and all that. Okay. So verse three, getting into one of the boats, he he like climbed in, (laughs) which was Simon's. This is Peter. Okay. So if you don't know who Simon, Peter is now Peter. So just so you know, uh, which was Simon's, he asked him, so they, they got in the boat and he asked Peter to put out a little from the land, just move a little out from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Okay, so he was like, okay, the crowds are pressing in on me. This is crazy. Let me get out on a boat and preach from the boat. So he was probably like 10 or 15 feet off, you know, just kind of out. And this is um, the Lake of Gennesaret. So it wasn't, wasn't like tumultuous, there weren't waves. And he taught the people from the boat that were crowded on the land. Okay, so verse four, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep, right? Let's go a little further and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon, again, Peter answered, master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. (laughs) Okay. He's like, all right, whatever. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. Like he's sort of like, whatever, crazy man, right? This is, this is interesting thing when you start to understand the context of what is going on here. So verse six, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, so much so, right? It says, and their nets were breaking. (laughs) Okay. Um, They signaled to their partners in another boat to come and help them. They came and filled both of the boats, so much so, again, that the boats began to sink. All right. So I'm going to stop there for a second because I want to help you understand what's going on here. These are fishermen, not only by trade, but by family line. okay, And if you read a little further, it says that it was Simon, James, John, um, Andrew, Andrew, and Simon, Peter are brothers. and then and then um, James and John are the sons of Zebedee. You've probably heard of them as the Sons of Thunder. These two were like hotheads. Okay. Um, And if you know anything about John, he's kind of a hothead too. Uh, He's the one that's quick to speak. Okay. So little background on John. Um, He's the one that like chopped off the ear of the guard that was coming to arrest Jesus. He's the one that you know, he was in the inner circle. So him and John and James, these three hotheads were in the inner circle. They were the ones that were invited into the things that Jesus said, everybody else stay away, like the Mount of Transfiguration, right? This and, and Peter was the one who foot in mouth syndrome, right? This is like me, F I M, foot in mouth syndrome. He's the one that was like, let's build three like, shelters for you all. (laughs) And Jesus is like, you don't even know what you're talking about, right? Peter was the one that got in so much trouble, because he was the one that was like, I'll walk on water, like, pick me, (laughs) you know, and then no, you're not gonna, people, nobody's gonna leave you, right? Remember when Jesus at the, when they were at the table at the, the night before he was crucified, they were sitting down and, and they, and he said, let me wash your feet. And Peter was the one who was like, you're not washing my feet. And then he's like, like, I need to wash your feet, or else you have no part in me. And he was like, Oh, then wash my whole body. And Jesus was like, again, we just need to wash your feet, right? Again, it's like, it's like, he's constantly getting like, he's constantly like, just eager, like this eager beaver, but then foot in the mouth. And he's the one that said to Jesus, like, I will always be loyalty, right? Because Jesus said, all of you guys will leave me when when I'm crucified, basically, you all will kind of leave. And they did, they all kind of like held up in shacks, they were all kind of afraid, and. Remember, the ultimate horrible thing was that Peter was the one who actually, you know, he said, "You will deny me three times before the before the crow, right? Um, crows before the the cock crows, whatever," and and he and he did right. So it and he was like, "I will always be loyal to you," and 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 he ends up ultimately denying him three times, and even one of the gospel accounts. says Jesus looked at him after that third denial. And you, you can only imagine the treachery that this man felt this kind of crushing, like, I am just an idiot, right? I mean, this, you, you could only imagine. And this was just who they were. Because remember, they're fishermen by trade, they're fishermen by family, which means they come from a long line of fishermen. So in our day and age, we think, well, what does that mean? Well, if you were to watch Deadliest Catch and you see those men, they are rough around the edges, right? They are definitely, you have to be, that is a very hard job. <laughs> okay, so when you start to understand the job that these men had, but then if you put it into d- to today's context, right, we look at those guys and we're like, why would you choose that job? Get a desk job, right? They didn't have desk jobs back then. If you were to look at the actual culture of the New Testament times, it was a agricultural community, which means the, what you did for work was harvesting the land or harvesting from the sea, right? So these men, this was a major career, this was a hard choice. But it was something that was a specific, very valuable career choice. And for them to have toiled all night long, right? All night long, and get nothing, and then, and so this is what I want you to understand. And then, on Jesus's word, it's like a windfall, or a you know, if you were to look at this as something that is straight up miraculous, like they just won the lottery. <laughs> okay, so if you were to understand, um, it would be like a massive landslide. I don't know how to put it in your terms because I know many of us are oil people. So let's just say you went from star to royal crown diamond right today. That would be what this would be. Okay, so I want you to get a clear picture of this. I'm not even kidding. To have that large of a fish catch was a massive landslide for them. That was worth millions of dollars in their currency, right? So, so this is like, what? Right? You'd be like, yay, jumping up and down, right? So this is like, so crazy. Okay, so you get the picture now. So now they're like, you'd think, right? Let's, let's think that through. If a man wrote this, and this is where I love this stuff, because because people can't make this stuff up. If if a human being wrote the Bible and it wasn't truly inspired by God, the story would go a different way. So let's see how what happens here with the story. So we stopped at um at verse 7 and we said remember the the boats were sinking because they were so full of fish. Now, these are professional fishermen too. So don't imagine this to be a tiny little boat. These were big boats. These were professional fishermen. Okay. Verse 8, we're on Luke chapter 5, verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Right? Now, how would a man write this? Thank you so much. You're amazing. Mm -mm. He said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, this is one of these verses in the Bible that just everyone's like, what in the world? You guys this is, this is exactly how all of us will be when we see God. This is, if you saw Jesus today, this would be exactly how you would feel. <laughs> okay. And, and, and this is why it's so curious to so many people because he was asking Jesus who just caused him to have millions of dollars worth of income to, to say, go away. Please get away from me. I need you to get away from me. Okay, so I hope you're feeling the weight of this, and I'm going to explain this in a minute. And I know some of you guys know where this is going, but okay, so for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also were James and John, sons, sons of Zebedee, right? The sons of thunder, who were partners with Simon. So Simon and Andrew, basically Peter. And again, remember Simon, Peter is Peter. Peter and Andrew are brothers and Simon or James and John are brothers. And they're all kind of ruffians and they're partners, they're business partners. Okay, so and Jesus said to Simon, again, Peter, don't be afraid for, n- for from now on, you will be Catching men, or some translation says you will be fishers of men. That's probably the most common translation that everybody knows. All right, so here's the kicker. Verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, so they brought their boats to land, again, a man would write this. They figured out their catch, they sold it to somebody, they got it all dealt with, they said goodbye to their wives. Peter was married, you guys. And then we see this in other verses in the Bible where he was with his mother-in-law, right? So they left everything and followed him. So put it in your perspective. You just sign up for Young Living. You're a star. You you work in the business. You're enjoying it. You've been good at it, whatever. Again, you would have maybe have a long line history of Young Living people. And then All of a sudden, out of nowhere, like some hospital comes to you or some big, huge corporation and says, we want to buy 20,000 kits from you today or something like that. And then all of a sudden, whatever it is, right? And all of a sudden you go from being a star to Royal Crown Diamond and you get this huge windfall and you're like, oh, what? And you say, awesome. Here it all is. And I'm bye. And you say, I'm I'm done. And you literally leave. No paycheck. You're not going to get anything. Young Living will write you a check. It will go nowhere that is what this is like. Okay, this is like, really fascinating. All right. So remember, Jesus tells the men to let down the nuts. They were reluctant. They were like, whatever, we've already tried, you know, after this massive catch. What happens is, is that Peter instantly realizes after knowing him for six to six to nine months is the estimate um, in the Bible, you know, that people have kind of theologicalized, that's not a word, but you know, Peter realized at that moment exactly who Jesus is. Exactly. He now is like, whoa, you're God, right? And why he realizes this is you hear him say, depart from me. Because at that very moment, the realization washes over him of exactly who Jesus is, and exactly the ugly that he is. Okay, and this is where it gets um, kind of interesting because if you were to understand the shock, right, when he realized this is sin, and the shock to us, to many of us, when we start to understand this landslide, landslide issue here, is that they left everything. And these are hot headed men. This is, you know, all of them left everything. It was not just Peter, they all were like, we need to follow this guy and just leave the fish to rot. Somebody else will take care of it. That is fascinating. However, the the heavier fascination, the deeper shock, the more astonishing reality in this story is not the fish and the landslide and the fact that they left everything. The more astonishing reality is that In the presence of God, you will see your sin for what it is, right? It's like after you grievously do something to somebody, you know, or sin against somebody and you feel the weight of that horror and and treachery. But when you feel not an action, right? An action is treachery that we think of. We think of, oh, I messed up. I'm sorry. No, no, no. The grander reality here is that Peter saw, and what it's teaching us is to understand that I am sin. I am ugly, horrendous, and treacherous in the face of God, meaning compared to him, right? We've used this analogy before. If you were to take, um, say, Jesus on one side and Hitler on the other, and you were to take somebody like... um, Mother Teresa, right? Or somebody that you think is probably the best human in the world, right? Who would that be? And you were to take that person and put them on the the kind of line from the worst being Hitler and the best being Jesus, where would you put the best person? Where would you put yourself, right? And most people would kind of lean on the 50, 50% side. Like most people say, I'm I'm pretty good. Like I'm not a bad person. And and so you kind of, if you were to break that in two, you have like a, a line between Hitler and Jesus and you kind of, the halfway point, you'd maybe put yourself an inch over on towards the Jesus side. But the reality of this, when we start to, you know, when you see this picture of, of, Peter saying, depart from me. I'm, I'm, I'm sinful man. Like this is awful. Like this, you know, the reality of his sin, the weight of his sin crushing down on him. It's that we all should be firmly placed right next to Hitler. Not, and the reason for that is because we're all human, right? And Jesus is God. So that's a very interesting, um, more heavy reality than just the fact that they left all their stuff, right? And um, and to understand that astonishing reality or this deeper shock, that it wasn't that they left, left millions of dollars worth of their career and left their career. It's that th- to understand the weight of sin is not the action; it's who we are. You know, and I have my editors when they're you know editing my content and stuff, and I talk about sin. And we did this in one of the very first journals, and I, I said, you know, but we, you are sin, and they were like, you need to change that. It needs to say you are a sinner, and I'm like, no, that implies an action. When you say, when I say you are sin, right? So when you hear someone say God is love, and that's super confusing, right? What does that even mean? Well, He is love because He created love. Like I could say any of these things. Like God is wisdom because every ounce of wisdom comes directly from Him, right? Even. In non-believers, right? If you are an atheist and don't believe in any of this, uh, it comes from God. It's a true truth. There's nothing I can tell you. Like you can tell me that gravity is not true, but we all know that it is, right? So here on this planet, at least. So to to really get into that crushing deeper reality of the fact that the weight of who I am, the internal actual who I am, it's it's astonishing. And that's where when we start to look at things, right? And so I want to give you some cool examples. So when we start to look at this treacherous potential, right? And you start feeling down. I don't want to get you guys all kind of sad on this. But but the question would be, well, then is God asking me to leave my career behind? Right? Is that what this is about? And, and no, you guys. Everyone is different. And by the way, the Bible teaches very clearly, verse after verse, about working. That we're supposed to work. That you know, you're not supposed to work in a church, right? If, if you are a Christian, he's not saying when you become a Christian, you need to now work at a church. No, no, no. You're supposed to work a normal job, whatever that job is for you, right? He's given each of us different talents and abilities and, and we're supposed to work, right? And if your work is being a stay-at-home mom, that's a work, right? But then you look at the Proverbs 31 woman and she definitely did a lot more than just the household duties, right? She did enough things to then buy, to consider and buy a whole plot of land. So, you know, we have to consider, what are we doing here? And, and is it okay? And how are we looking at our life? And you have to remember, too, that, um, you know, it's not only is sin who we are, but God made us with the desire to do a good job, right? We want to hear well done, you know, We, we want, you know, we want that approval. And so we often seek it from man, but the actual ingrained in us should be from God. So, it's not that our careers are the issue. What's the issue here is when we make them an idol. And so my question to you is, do you worship your job? And as oil people, you know, oil users, we can get really caught up in um, the magic of them. And again, the magic is straight from God. (laughs) But we can get caught up in it so so much so that we make an idol of it. And rather than going to God, we're going to our oil rack, you know, or, um, you know, we're trusting in our own ability to make a kit sale or whatever, whatever it is. And we make this idol of hitting the next rank and this, this like, I have to do this. Um, And we've talked about this before on other posts, but people often wonder like why I'm not aggressively ranking up. It's not like a major goal of mine. I feel like if God wants me to rank up, great. Um, I do the business, I share with people, I help my team, I do whatever I need to be doing. But I'm not like, on my own accord, saying like, uh, pushing, right? I want this, I want this, I want this. And I feel like because it's really I'm a servant of God and I need to do what He wants me to do. That's not to say that some of my favorite people in the world are Royal Crown Diamonds and they're Christian, right? And they're amazing Christians. And I see the beauty of that. And it's because that's the path God put them on, right? And so we can't, I can't compare my walk to theirs. I can't compare my job to theirs. (laughs) So this is where I want you to be um, I guess, understanding of what I wanna wanna help you understand today. So I wanna talk about a guy who's not not a Christian, but um, I think he's since passed away, but it's David Foster Wallace. He did a graduation speech. Um, we always love those graduation speech, but he's, he's an author, was an author, and in 2005, he did a speech at the Kenyan College, and this was where my pastor brought this up, and I thought, oh, this would fit perfectly in my talk today. Um, I want to help you understand something that he talked about. He was talking about specifically our self-centered nature. And, and you can um, Google this and look up uh, David Foster Wallace on worship and it will come right up. Uh, and so he says, there is no experience you've had, like no experience you've had that you were not the absolute center of. And he basically goes on to explain that it's hardwired in us to be self-centered. And he states that there's no such thing as atheism He says there's no such thing as not worshiping. He says everybody worships, okay? This is just from his speech. And he says, basically, we it's just the choice. We just have this choice of what we worship. So then he goes on to give some examples. And I'm going to give you four of his, he gave four examples. And I'm going to add four of my own here to help you guys understand the context of this. So he put money. He's like, if you worship money, You're basically gonna feel like you never have enough. You're always gonna be wanting more. And you hear this all the time from from non, like uh, non-believing, like other religions where they're just making money. And it just seems like they're always, it's never enough. And, and I love my past pastor used to talk about this as, as stuffing the God shaped hole. It's like, we're always, you know, God has a a specific key shape, right? So like just in a, in a metaphor here, it's like a key shape that is specific to God. And that hole is a very specific hole that we have missing. It's like the hole in our heart, right? that we we just it's missing. And so we're constantly trying to fill that hole with things that will satisfy us such as money. And we're stuffing that God shaped hole with other things that don't fit. And so nothing's ever going to fit. So nothing's ever going to satisfy you. So he just said money, you're gonna never have enough. And you're gonna feel like you never have enough. If you worship beauty, and your body, right, he said, you're Always gonna feel ugly again on the inside, and you guys will resonate with this too. Whichever one this is for you, and you'll always will always feel ugly. And it was interesting that he said, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, "And as you see the first signs of age, you're gonna die more little deaths over the course of of time until you get into the dirt, like until you're actually buried." And he said, "It's gonna be the worst thing for you if beauty is something that you worship." Um, you know? Okay. It just gives me chills, all these things. He, he said, power, if you worship power, he says, you're always going to f- feel afraid. Like you're always going to feel like scared that you're going to lose it. You're always going to t- somehow figure out how to get more power and, and, you know, push somebody down. You see this with power mongers all the time. It's like, push someone else down so that you can get to the top. Um, Okay. Intellect. And man, I have a lot of green followers here. And, and if you follow the colors and all that stuff, um, greens are my, my smarty pants. They're the ones that like to do all the research and like to be smart, right? It's just something that you guys like to do. It is what it is. So if you worship your intellect and meaning being seen as smart, um, you're always going to feel stupid. You're always going to feel like you're a fraud. Like you're just quite not measuring up. And I, I was thinking... Logically, that's not true, but you guys, it's so true. In our hearts, those of you who have like these, you know, money issues or beauty body issues, like you have to have the perfect flat stomach, you know, if you're constantly searching for power, intellect, it's always the opposite that you feel this turmoil inside. It's why you're constantly trying to go after it. Okay, so I want to give some examples that I'm going to add to this. So, are you worshiping your husband? And this, again, is something I teach a lot on because this is in the fall. But the sad thing is if we and I've fallen to this a couple times, you know, over my marriage, I've fallen to worshiping my husband where I I really put so much stock in him. Um, You will never be enough for him ever, you will always feel like, not loved, not appreciated. That's the way it goes. Um, Okay, if you worship serving others or helping others, right? It's all you helpers out there, all you yellows. If you worship the, the serving others, you're always going to feel resentful that others maybe don't notice or that they're not helping too. Because that's just the way, again, you would never say this out loud. It's just an internal turmoil. There's this resentment that is inside of you helpers that feels like, what in the world, you know? Okay. Um, Your career, and this is where we're going to land on this and talk about your calling. Um, Your career, if you worship your career, your chosen job path, whatever it is that you're making money at you will never be enough. You will never have enough. You will always want more. You will always want the next rank. You know, you see this happen all the time when people hit Royal Crown Diamond and they just kind of like back off. Well, I've hit the top. What am I going to do? They do. They just like kind of go do their own thing. They just do something else. They literally like kind of move away. <laughs> you know, they just let it keep going. They're royal crown diamond. But you know, we go to convention and where are they all they don't hang out with us. They're not out and about like being a person. They're just kind of like, well, I've hit you know, they they're kind of over it. And I've heard that from several of them. Now, not all of them. I know many royal crown diamonds and they're amazing people. But a lot of them and you, you have to understand we've got hundreds of royal crown diamonds and you won't ever see any of them. Because they're like, oh, I've been there done that I've done this so many conventions like and I have to walk around it's crowded blah, like they complain. And it's like, what are you complaining about? You're the top, right? We all think that from the bottom, but it's because still they probably are like, what do I do now? So a lot of them write books. A lot of them do different things and go on and and, and keep growing because those people who like worship their career. And again, I'm not, po- I'm not poking anybody here, but by the way, I'm not even thinking of anyone specifically. I'm just saying people who worship their career, they're Never gonna feel like they've done enough. They're never. They're always gonna be wanting more. You know, they never feel like they are enough. And again, I can't say this is true about any of you. You have to search your own heart. Okay. All right. So those are four that I wanted to add from his speech. Um, all right. So the question then is, what is your calling? Because we understand a career is a job. But are you making your career your calling, or are you? Do you understand what your calling is? So I'm going to speak specifically to my Christians now. Okay, so my Christian sisters, this is why these talks are really kind of funky because I'm it's a little bit of a mixed bag on who listens to these. Um, uh, this isn't a, a message of, of how to get saved, right? You can definitely go talk to your pastor about that. Um, I am not a pastor. I am not. Um, and if you're a man listening to this, my intention is not to teach men. I just don't believe in that. But that's my, my theology side of it, but, um, for sure, uh, just know that I want to help you guys understand, um, I guess where I'm coming from and how I view, I view my calling versus my career. All right. So if we looked at like Micah 6-8, and that was the book we were covering this morning, if you do want to check out my church, it's um, Christ Community Church of Laguna Hills. It's a teeny tiny little church. And it's amazing. So if you want to go, you can go on their website, ccclh.org. And you can listen to the sermons on there. And today's sermon will be posted on Tuesday, um, July 9th. Uh So you can check that out, and if you live in Orange County or in the area, you can just come visit. I can't guarantee that I would be there. Um, I'm there when I'm home, but for sure, um, come visit. It's a great church. So Micah six eight is um, I'm going to give you the New King James Version, and um, only because this was a song that we memorized as kids. But he has shown you, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you of you, right? But to do justly, but to do love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So it's interesting because Micah poses this as a question. And if you look in context, it's a bunch of questions before this. And it's not really a question for you to answer. It's sort of rhetorical. Like, are you are are you hearing what I'm saying kind of thing? Like, yes, of course, this is true. But he poses these as questions. So again, he has shown you, oh, man, what is good basically like, like mortal man, human being, he has shown you what is good. And what the Lord requires of you. Um, basically meaning in our in the old testaments, right? The testaments that they had at the time, he's like, You already know this stuff. But let me rephrase it for you and dumb it down. Micah's amazing, so you gotta read that that book. I'm one of the minor prophets. He's saying, Do justly, right? Do do justly, do what's right, basically. Um, love mercy, right? I can't tell you, this day and age, I think most of us love revenge. We love it when people get what's theirs. How many of you guys have been seeing these bully videos on Facebook and on social media where all of a sudden in your feed pops up this like viral video about a, somebody who gets bullied and it's like and then the bully like rises up and just like attacks everybody and like cuts them down literally like fights fist fights them and and annihilates everyone and it's like a high school setting and everyone's like yeah and it's like that's what we like to watch we like vengeance every movie every show you see it's like get vengeance and no, God is telling us to love mercy, right? Have mercy on your enemies. Let, let God deal with them. It's not my place to judge and, and have vengeance. Okay. Um, and to walk humbly with your God. So those three things do what's right. Be merciful, right? We have this, you know, I have the, um, lamentations verse in my bathroom. And because I need it, like every morning, I I go in there and like, you know, wash my hands or, you know, go to the bathroom or whatever. But every it's right in front of my face, right? And his mercy is new every morning, new every morning. So we want to consider um, what it is that we're doing. Are we living righteously doing just things doing things that are right? Are we loving mercy? And are we walking humbly with our God? And that really just translates to us actually abiding in God, making God our first priority. And so there's this big debate amongst kind of two groups of Christians about um, lordship theology versus, um, I don't know what you'd call it, like easy believism. And it's kind of a mess. And so if you're going to read the Bible, that's how you walk humbly with your God, you're going to read the Bible often, and thoroughly, cover to cover, don't skip anything, try and do that every year if you can. Because it's going to give you a better perspective on what God requires of you rather than being our self interested, right? Going back to David Foster's quote, who says there's no experience you've had that you are not the absolute center of and so understanding that, that we are so egotistical because it's just who we are. It's all we know, right? It's, it's all I know. And so if I'm going to really be honest with myself and say, what what is the key here? It's walking with God, abiding in him. What does that mean? Right? I have nonverbal learning disorder. So I'm always like, well, what does that mean in real terms? Like, explain to me because I can't physically walk next to God, right? Because that rings like that goes makes my nonverbal go nuts when it's like walk with God. (laughs) What are you talking about? Okay, so it means I need to be actively in prayer, actively reading the Word of God, studying it, right? Not what do I want it to mean? Not what do other people saying it means? But really figuring out, what did it mean? And you look at A.W. Tozer, who who is a self-proclaimed stupid man. I'm just saying, this is what he said about himself. Unintelligent, uneducated man. Wrote some of the most profound works of uh, in history on who God is. For sure, look him up if you don't read him. And I remember one of the first things I read about him, because I wanted to kind of understand who he was, is that he would like sit in a closet... And like, pray really aggressively, please, Holy Spirit, help me understand this. And I, 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 I giggle a little bit because you think, well, well, that's not going to do. Well, if, if I, I'm an author, right? And if Jacob had a question about essential oils, who should he ask? Should he Google it? Or does he have an author who's written tons of books on essential oils in the house He's got an author in the house, right? So he should come to me and ask, it would be an easier ask. Well, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit in us living in our house in us. And so why shouldn't we ask? Why shouldn't we say, Holy Spirit, please help me understand this. I don't understand it. And some of you guys think the Bible is hard. I was having a conversation with one of my best girlfriends, we have jacuzzi time every once in a while, and she came over and she was asking me what Bible she should give to her eight year old. And I'm like, The Bible, like what translation? She's like, I got him the message, and I'm like, why would you do that? She's like, well, it's a nice paraphrase. I'm like, yeah, but it's somebody's interpretation of the Bible. It's a paraph like super watered down. It's not going to help him. He's a smart kid. He's a very smart kid, by the way. So I'm like, he's a smart kid. Yeah, but these these are going to be it's going to be too much for him. I'm like, but you're assuming it's going to be too hard for him, you know, like. And this kid just recently professed his faith. And he's like, I'm all in, like, just a full on changed kid, like you can tell. And I'm like, if he's got the Holy Spirit inside him, girlfriend, he's got the author of the Bible that he can just ask. Okay, and you look at A.W. Tozer, you look at any of you guys, I have struggled with this, you guys, so much when I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. And I just stop reading and I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit specifically I asked the Holy Spirit, please help me understand what's going on here. Help me understand all of this because it kind of doesn't make any sense. And so that's where... I want you to understand those three keys to the Micah verse to understand sort of a basic rundown of of what is it that you're doing with your life. And it doesn't really matter your career, right? Because then at the end of the day, you work, you do your job as unto the Lord, right? You do what you're supposed to do and you work because you want to help your family and you have these goals and those goals are good. But making an idol of those is what's bad. And so we want to just check ourselves all the time. Let me check myself, Lord. Am I abiding in you? Am I in your word? Am I in prayer? Am I, you know, talking to you and asking you for help? Am I leaning on you? If if I want to rank up, have I asked you for that? Because it's not on me, you know, like God ranked me up within a couple of weeks to silver, like straight up, like it was so fast. It was, it was, I signed up, like I was already a member, but I like switched teams and then I learned the stuff and then I, I Hit executive, and then the next month I was silver, and I was like, What in the world? You know, and then it took me like two years to hit gold, and then it took me, t- you know, I'm still gold. Two years later, I haven't hit platinum, and I won't anytime soon because it's not, again, I don't, God's not like blessing it. I'm working on it, but I don't know if He wants it for me. I've asked Him for it. I, I have. I've said, Hey, I would like this. If it's not your will, fine. You see this in examples uh, from Jesus all the time, right? You even see it on, when He was going to the cross. That night in prayer, again, a stupid move on Peter, he fell asleep, you know, (laughs) Jesus said, watch, fell asleep. Uh, Again, Peter move, but it's just funny to me, um, because we're all like Peter. And we sit there, and I think he asked, he knew what was going to happen, but he was like, can you remove this cup from me? Is there any other way? because he knew it was going to be so hard. Can we do something different here? And God the Father was like, you know, no, obviously. But he said, he said, can can, can we, he asked. But he followed the ask with a, but your will not mine, right? So when we're praying, and and you guys ask me for prayer all the time, and I pray for you, but I pray in, in deferring to God's will. You know, if you are going into surgery, And you ask me to pray for you that the surgeon's hands would be guided, right? These are all common prayer requests. Pray that we would have travel mercies, right? I mean, I'm saying this a little sarcastically because this is common, like, Christianese language, and that you would pray for, you know, healthy outcome and all good stuff. And I'm thinking, I don't know if it's God's will for you to die today, I also don't know if it's God's will for you to stay in that hospital. I mean, I, I hear of people all the time constantly praying the hardship of being sick. And I'm thinking, God, you know, never took Paul's thing away. He had a thorn in his side, whatever it was that, we, you know, there was no description of exactly what was going on. But he prayed three times, please, like three times that we know of. Right. I mean, I'm praying for stuff all the time and I'm like, well, it's not my will, It's not up to me because I'm just the clay, right? I was just created by God, but it's up to me to follow Jesus, Jesus's example, which is I need to pray. I need to ask for stuff. So feel free to ask, but always defer to the will of God and don't ever assume that, you know, I've been in the presence of people who pray very odd to me again, just because to me, it's not biblical, but they pray the positive. Now, this goes back to this whole kind of law of attraction thing, which I just it, whatever, but it's almost a mix of prayer with law of attraction where they'll pray. Um, like, let's say I'm I'm going to travel and they'll be like, thank you for keeping Jen safe. Thank you for allowing her to get to her destination on time. And I'm thinking, okay, but what if there's a man that needs to hear the gospel because I have a crazy layover that was something that I'm now upset about and because I'm fuming that I didn't get my way and I'm now at a layover, which by the way, I hate layovers, but let's say that happened and I'm fuming because I didn't get what I wanted, but God's will was for me to just settle down because there's a man or or some woman or some child that needs to hear the gospel and I miss it because of my human, self-centered, self-righteous, self-serving behavior. So this is where I want you to kind of understand my heart on this is that, you know, can you start to consider how you can be more in tune with the Holy Spirit, right? Like pay attention to his nudgings. For me, sometimes it's a hammer over the head, but oftentimes it's just a nudge. And, you know, pay attention to those nudges and pay attention to when you nudge the nudges out. And what I mean by that is sometimes I'll be brushing my teeth or something and um, you know, thinking about what I wanna do and I get this like weird urge. Like God says like and he's not speaking to me audibly, you know, but I get this urge, like, go read your Bible now. Do it now, or it's not gonna happen, right? And I'll be like, Oh, whatever. I've got other things to do and I'm going to I already have it planned for like ten minutes from now. Let me finish this. And then something happens where someone comes over and interrupts within five minutes where God was telling me now or never. And I was like, no, my, I will get to it in 10 minutes. And five minutes later, like, it's not going to happen. So, so it's, it's, we can very easily push the Holy Spirit out. And so if we're looking at our careers and we're not deferring and we're frustrated and we're like comparing others, you know, this is such a bad practice to get into. Um, I just, I want to encourage you sister to, to sit down, have a conversation with God, pray it out, ask him for what you want, be clear, be real specific and then, and then follow it up with, but you know, not your will, not my will, but yours, follow it up, you know, use Jesus as the example, because we do want to practice lordship salvation and not easy believe it believism, right? We want to practice um, the understanding of what does it cost to to follow Jesus, right? It is not a I get to have sex with my boyfriend, because I feel like I want to do that. And I am my own person. I mean, what in the world with the bachelorette? I don't know if any of you guys watch this, but I'm like, seeing like the different, I don't watch it, but I'll watch like the last bit. Like I'll turn on the TV and it'll be like the bachelorette. And I caught like a a snippet of her just all upset about one of the guys who has been like attacked as the villain of the show. And he's the only one that's standing up for sexuality. And he, I guess said to her, and this was in one of the previews, he said, if you go to the fantasy suite with any of these other men and have sex with them, I'm out. And I was like, good for him. And she went ballistic on him. Right? But at the end of the day, if you read the Bible, he's right. And it's not him that's that's right or wrong. That's the interesting thing. She's shouting at the messenger. She's shouting at a servant who is saying, I can only do what God tells me to do. (laughs) And then she's like, Jesus still loves me if I have sex or not, you know? And I'm like, yes, yes, girlfriend, you are right to some degree, right? I sin all the time. You sin all the time. We are sin, right? We talked about this. And absolutely, you are forgiven if you are a child of God. But straight up, girlfriend, the problem with the whole thing is if I'm professing faith and sinning continuously with no notion of that it's wrong with the I am fine with this. And the Holy Spirit's main job, again, if you read the whole Bible, and often you would understand this, and you would see this over and over again, the Holy Spirit's job is and the Bible translation is um, convict, convict us regarding judgment and sin and um, like, our actual relationship with Jesus. So it, the the Bible, and this is paraphrased, but the actual word for convict is also translated convince. So the Holy Spirit's job is to convince us of our need for righteousness, our sin issue. He's going to convince us of this and convict us and our pending judgment. And that's from the Bible. So my point is, if you're not getting convicted and you are in major sin over and over and you're practicing it and you feel like it's not sin and you have decided, hey, you know what? The Bible's antiquated. The Bible is a bunch of guys writing it. I'm gonna I'm gonna warn you right now a very stern, harsh warning. The Bible is written by God, it is inspired by God, it is actually God's word. So if we go and say, well, whatever, right? It would be like you're a child, your parents are leaving, they put a note on the refrigerator with things you're supposed to do. And if you don't do these, you're gonna have consequences and they go away, and you party, and do the whole whatever, and they come home, and they're like, I left you a list of things you should do. Did you do them? And you're like, ah, yeah, you weren't here. You think that's gonna go over well? <laughs> no. And so. I'm just I'm just saying, do you think it's going to go over well when you meet God face to face? When Peter saw Jesus as God, he said, depart from me. I am a sinful man. Not thank you so much for giving us all these fish. You're amazing. Thanks, buddy. Right? And we've put God on this buddy platform. We've decided he's our co-pilot. Yeah, he's great when I need him, but I don't need him right now because I'm good. And I'm good having sex with my whoever. You know, I, I, had a girlfriend that would say, he's my fiance and we're married in our spirits. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but the law in the state of California states that you need to be married to be married, like an actual certificate. And God tells us we need to follow the law of the land as well. Right? So sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of not, I don't know. Right. We justify it. So it's just a justification for sin. And, um, you know, everyone is on a different path. And, and my goal is not to, I don't, I'm not your Holy Spirit. Realize that too. I am just a guide to help you understand truths I've learned along the way. And to understand that as we look at our careers, our choices, the things that we're doing, what are we not willing to give up? And remember, Peter gave up a landslide of millions of dollars and left it there to rot done. At that point, he's like, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. Are you all in? And what I mean by that is, and so, so this is an interesting thing. I I, I think about this all the time, because you guys know I stick my neck out for you guys, like my neck out. And I'm the only educator that talks about the kind of real heavy stuff. And every time I pray, and every time, like before I speak, like just yesterday, we did a whole thing. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go again. Like I could get totally reamed for this. But I'm like, all right, I'm helping people understand the hype. I'm understanding, helping people with just whatever it is. And I feel like, you know, God put this in my lap. This is sort of what I'm doing. But here's the reality. Every single time I'm educating you guys, I'm, I'm always thinking this could be my last video. I could be shut down. And am I okay with that? I have to be okay with that. You guys, I have to be 100% on board with wherever God needs me. And if all of a sudden I got a call from corporate and they said, um, you're done. Right. And You know, I mean, we had that happen two years ago with a bunch of real crown diamonds that all of a sudden got their panties in a bunch and tried to get me out of Young Living. I was like, I'm just helping you. I don't know what's going on here, but okay. So the whole thing went sideways and I just prayed so much through that season of, okay, Lord, you gave this to me and you can take it away and I'm okay with that. So what I want you to do right now, and this is gonna be hard for some of you, I want you to take everything every relationship that is important to you and put them on an altar and murder them. I'm not even kidding you. This is a difficult thing to do. You're not clearly going to murder them. Again, nonverbal learning. I would be like, wait a minute. Is she telling me to murder my husband? No, I'm telling you, I want you to look at your husband. There will be tears with this thought process, by the way. And I want you to take him and imagine God is going to take him away from you tomorrow for good gone goodbye what would you do with yourself and I've gone through this a lot you guys because my husband's not saved and I've I've thought this through a lot because I think please don't take him because that means he's going to be in hell right like literally if you took him right now he's not saved <laughs> he's completely clearly not saved too by the way so none of you guys start messaging me with a you don't know his heart I know this man is not saved so so that's a problem for me So I have had to deal with that very scenario that he dies unsaved what is my response? It's sort of like, what do you do when there's a fire? What is your escape route? You know, we just had an earthquake here and we were in the jacuzzi. That was the jacuzzi night with my girlfriend. And the whole thing was like, I'm like, Oh, she's like, is this a safe place to be? I'm like, I don't know. But that's the thing is we, you know, she's like, well, what are you supposed to do when you're in an earthquake? She's like, aren't you supposed to run outside? And I go, no, I grew up in California and you are not supposed to run outside. That's the last thing you're supposed to. Do. She's like, what? She's from Texas, right? I'm like, go into your bathtub. That's a very safe. She's like, what? I go, go under, like, like a table, something that can hold things up or a doorway. She's like, you're going to get crushed. I'm like, no, that's the safest place. And she's like, really? I'm like, yes. So now you have a plan for your four little babies at home, right? She would have just ran outside and gotten swiped by a tree or a car. So that's the thing is it's like, you have to have a plan. And so you've got to think these things through. So like when Jacob was in the hospital, uh, like five or six years ago with pneumonia that none of the doctors could figure out, they couldn't, fix him. They were all freaked out. They were like, he's going to die. I went through my like Isaac moment, right? You talk about that. And it's like, you know, I had to put him on the altar basically and say, okay, Lord, if I was only allowed to have him for this short amount of years, thank you. And I, you know, I mean, I get teary eyed about it now, but it's like, that's the thing is it's like, well, who are the things and the people in your life that you love the most? Can you envision and be okay with God taking them away, and find joy in God taking them away. I mean, that's the hard part. And so then you take the relationships, fine. But what if you look at like, and you know, that's hard, right? But but look at the things you've been working on, like your career choices, the things that you you feel are so important for, for you, right? For years, I thought, why in the world would God ever take photography away from me? Because I'm so good at it, right? Like, I mean, this is my thought, right? I was really like, and, and now I know I wasn't good at it at all. God is literally the most talented photographer in the world because he invented it. It's, everything is his. So any photography shot that I ever got that was good was because he allowed me to get that shot. And so, when I whenever I think it's me, you have to kind of consider no, 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 let's let's take a step back. What if God took that away from you? What if God took away your sight? Something that you people, most of us feel is just ours to have. It's our right to be able to see things. And you see blind people who are like yeah, think that through for a second. You know, there's this great little restaurant up in L.A. that they they all of the waiters are blind, and it's pitch black in there. And you go in as a seeing person and experience. They don't give you utensils because it's impossible for blind people to eat with utensils. And you have to feel your way around. And it is pitch black. And the waiters serve you, no problem. And they're blind, and you are now blind. And it's wild. So just something that we take for granted, Right what are, what is something that you think, oh no, don't take that away from me. Like I kind of laugh because like I I joke about my hair and I'm just going to say this because my hair is kind of this weird issue and I don't idolize my hair, but I sort of joke that, like, what's going to happen to me at some point is that I will get some cancer or something that's going to cause it all to fall out. And it will be sort of the joke of like, there you go, right? And I don't idolize my hair. But you guys might think like, I'm constantly like telling you guys, because you're asking about my hair all the time. And I'm like, I don't know, I've always had fairly good hair. And it just is what it is. But at some point, it's not gonna look good anymore. And I don't care. Like we joke about, you know, should I go gray? Like, what should we do? (laughs) So, you know, that goes back to what are the things that are so important to you that are non negotiables almost, right? What's a non negotiable for you. And I want you to give that to God. I want you to say, you know what, if I was a stump, how could I serve you? Right? How could I, how am I able to best serve my God? All right, so we're we're just at the hour mark now. But I wanted to give you guys a, a clear picture. And I hope that that has wrapped it up and help you guys understand, like, go through that list of people, go through that list of things, look at your career choices, and consider how you can truly honor God in all of it by simply giving it to him, and then being a good steward of it, right? So What I look at Jacob is that God did not take him from me. God gave him back to me. And I clearly understood at that moment that he healed Jacob and it was miraculous nobody nobody could figure out what happened to him and what what was wrong but for three days he was in intensive care and nobody could figure out what was going on and he was totally isolated and I slept in a chair in his bedroom the whole time and I I, you know it was awful and just awful I won't even tell you the whole experience but it was just it was what it was and it was really me I don't he didn't go through anything because he doesn't remember any of it he was like out he was like unconscious I went through the dregs I went through the mire and I came out the other side with a Take him if you're going to take him, and thank you for letting me have him for the time I did. And then he gave him back to me, and I said, you know what? That's a story of me having to be a good steward of the things God has given me. So I take my platform very seriously. I take the things I share with you guys very seriously, because it's not flippant. I have been given this as an opportunity to share And it's just been given to me and can be taken away again, right? So how are you being a good steward of what you've been given? And I joke around with you guys saying like, would you fire yourself today or would you hire yourself today? And it's a common thing we all say to each other, you know, you you think that through. But really, are you being a good steward with your money, with um, your weight, I I I I go back and forth on this, you guys, because I I get into conversations with overweight women, and um, I feel like they think I'm judging them. I'm not, you guys. I've been on the Sleek Challenge. I've lost like seven pounds so far, but I'm still like 15 pounds to go uh, to be like a normal weight. And I think like, but then they will look at me and be like, "You're not even fat." That's so irritating to us that you're even talking about it. But I'm thinking, I struggle with that too we all do, you know, whether you're not enough weight, or you're too overweight, and it's like, okay, God gave us this body, am I being a good steward of it, so it's putting a donut in my mouth, being a good steward of my body, because all that donut is going to do is it's going to give me five seconds of taste pleasure, and extra calories, extra pounds, extra muck in my mind, I literally will become like almost brain dead from it, because I have gluten insensitivity, but for those of you that don't, you still have this kind of like it's like that sugar brain that you really can't get much done. And you know, we're pumping our body full of caffeine with coffee and then you wonder why you're so depressed. So again, I'm not talking to anyone specifically. I'm just trying to help you understand that even that being overweight is not being a good steward of something God has given you. And we could we could list out everything, right? The fact that my office is a mess, right? Again, we can't split hairs. So I'm not telling you that you're a sinner, you know, like if your office is a mess or if you're overweight, that is not the point here. My point is, let's look at everything we're doing and consider everything we have is a gift. Everything we are doing is something God has given us or maybe asked us to do. Like this is a, a talent I've given you. If we're not being good stewards of that gift, we're not in God's will. Okay. And again, there's so much to this um, message. And I think you can go back and like listen to it again and just know that my heart is for you guys. My heart is to um, educate you guys as long as God allows me to. And that's it. And so I am one of you. I I was accused one time of of being a, I don't know what they called it, but like a, a gold a gold digger pretending to be a gold digger, but I'm just selling picks and axes. And I thought that's hilarious. But no, I am one of you. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, I am doing the best I can with what God gave me. You guys have been so kind to even al- allow me meaning even to have this many viewers and listeners on, um, to allow me to share this with you and so just um again i'm going to ask for prayer i'm going to ask you guys to just cover my family in prayer i always pray for that because we get a ton of spiritual warfare over here um simply because i do speak out and i'm one of the very very few leaders in young living that has a very open platform on this um i don't shove it down anyone's throat i'm very clear with you guys on a date and a time that i'm going to talk about spirituality and then that's what we do so um thank you guys and we will for sure see you next month it will be the first Sunday of August. And um, we'll have another live series there and you guys can catch that. Um, But again, thanks so much and have an absolute blessed Sunday. Thanks so much for letting me share my heart with you guys today. Um, as mentioned in the beginning, I do have resources for the things that I do for my career, but um, I do want to kind of reiterate that feel free to go over to holyjustlove.com. That is my sort of theology website, and then um, anexcellentwife.com. It's an anexcellentwife.com. And that's just an area where you can see some of my other stuff if you're interested in any of this. And I encourage you to um, email me if you have questions or want to talk about your faith or want to have me pray for you. it is what it is. I love praying for my sisters and, and brothers and love um, helping you guys with God and everything. So if you're questioning your, your faith or questioning salvation, or how do you get saved or the gospel? What does that mean? Or if you need a Bible, just send me a quick email Jen at Jen And I would just really be honored to be a part of your spiritual journey as well. All right. Thanks, you guys. And have an absolute blessed day. Take care.